Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I'm your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and what a beautiful Monday it is, following a Week 18 win to wrap up the season for the Washington Commanders to finish at 8-8-1, eight, eight and one. but it seems like nothing else matters when you get a victory, especially at home, against Dallas. 26-6, to six, a 20-point win at home for the Washington Commanders, led by rookie fifth-round quarterback, Sam Howell, I will get in. We're going to get in a lot to Sam Howell today. We're going to get into some other things that I wanted to see from the defensive side of the ball, especially early in that ball game that I had some questions about. The young players that showed up in that ball game that got some opportunity. The Percy Butlers of the world, John Ridgway, Jarrett Patterson, Jonathan Williams. We saw Chris Paul start at left guard yesterday, which is a great look at him as far as his potential Moving into the seasons down the road as a potential swing guard. I'm not sure right now if I'd start the kid moving into next year. But you got to look at the wide lens here as far as what happened yesterday. And a lot of positives. A lot of young core players that this team added in the middle rounds in the 2022 draft. That got some, got some work yesterday. And even guys like Patterson and Williams... And Jared Patterson was a UDFA back in 2021, added after the draft. He got some run. He ran for 80 yards. The team has a whole rush for over 130 yards. Jonathan Williams had some nice carries. I loved what I saw from Sam with his legs on the ground. Just an overall gleaming light of positivity as you move in to an offseason now where there are no more games, unfortunately. But now you got free agency and you got the draft. And now, in these next few weeks, you got the Senior Bowl, you got the Shrine Bowl, so the scouting process is kicking off. And now, it's been in process the last, you know, throughout the fall and, and years prior with scouts looking forward ahead to each class. But now, we are in off-season mode. It is now officially the start of the off-season for the Washington Commanders. But looking yesterday at yesterday's game, what else could you ask for? There's a 12-4 Dallas team coming into town that looked sloppy, especially in that first half. Two special teams botches. Obviously, the punt by Brian Anger goes through his hands. Milo Eifler makes a good play on him. Then Kevontae Turpin, the pro bowler in the NFC special teamer, botches a, a, a punt from Tress Way right into Christian Holmes' hands. Again, a rookie making a play. A lot went Washington's way yesterday. It's, that's not usually what we're used to, right? We're usually used to the ball bouncing a different way or not getting breaks or creating your own luck. Yesterday was just, really, I wish we saw that last week. And I know you guys have probably heard a lot about that in the last 12 hours as far as I wish Washington played like that against Cleveland. Well, you know, it's not easy to win in the NFL and... You know, a lot of it comes down to obviously the decision at the quarterback, and we're going to try to move on from that with the performance that we saw from Sam Howell. Not everything was perfect. Obviously, that pick in the first half 
was not pretty, trying to force it in the red zone. Those are the mistakes that we expected, kind of the speed bumps that we talked about when we previewed this game on Friday. But overall, Levin for 1,969 yards and a touchdown. Ran five times, 35 yards, seven yards a pop, and a touchdown. Created with his legs when need be. That touchdown in the red zone where he's cutting the outside, plants that right foot in the ground, cuts back to the inside, runs through the safety to get in the end zone. He's obviously got that thicker build. He's not a wiry frame guy by any means. He's not thin by any means. Now, he's not a 6'5", 6'6", guy kind of built like a Justin Herbert or kind of some of the lankier quarterbacks, a Jared Goff, if you will. He's about 6'1", 220. He's built a lot like Brian Robinson is. On that six-foot threshold, 220, 225 pounds. And it was just really a breath of fresh air and nice to see. Carson Wentz was inactive yesterday, as expected. Taylor Heineke was the backup. You saw the support that he gave Sam on the sideline. That's all you could ask for because we, as of right now, who knows what the future is for Taylor Heineke in the Burgundy Gold. He's an unrestricted free agent this year. He may want to get his money somewhere. How much, we will see. But this year, you can go on and on as far as the names that you saw around the league as guys that started in, the, in this league that I would take Taylor Heineke over. David Blau, Trace McSorley, you got Colt McCoy out in Arizona, Davis Mills in Houston, saw Mike White with the Jets, Tyler Huntley with the Ravens, Josh Dobbs in Tennessee. I mean, you can go on and on as far as average to below average talents getting meaningful starts in the NFL this year. And Taylor Heineke, whether he wants to come back and Martin Mayhew, Ron Rivera, they're in town again as we move into next fall. And they want to say, hey, Sam's got the reins of this offense. We're going to go with Sam as QB1. We want you here as a backup, though. Maybe Taylor doesn't want that. Maybe he wants to be a starter somewhere. Maybe he thinks that he deserves that. But that also comes with market value and the money that he's going to get. Because are you going to pay him $15 million, two years, $15 million AAV or average per year to be a backup? Probably not. So he may get an opportunity somewhere. But to see him on the sideline yesterday cheering for Sam... And the performance that Sam had, now it wasn't crazy. When you move into the back end of that first half, and you know he's got six, seven completions. They did not throw the ball a ton. In his first pass, storybook, crossing route to Terry McLaurin for a touchdown. His first career throw in the NFL was a touchdown. Last person to do that was Mike White with the Jets back in 2021. It's just kind of a, a little kind of step back, and that's a really cool moment. And it was a simple concept. It was your fastest guy on offense running a crossing route over the middle of the field. Get the ball in your athlete's hands and see what happens. Usually, as we talk about, when you get the ball in Terry McLaurin's hands, good things happen. And yesterday, he, you move forward in that second half, and as his confidence continued to grow and grow and grow, I thought at times Washington's offense got a little bit predictable And that first half, I mean, you'd rush it up the two-hole with Jonathan Williams, and you get seven yards. And then second down, you run an outside zone, and you don't get anything. Now it's third and three, and you run outside zone to the opposite side, and you lose a yard. And now you're third and four, or excuse me, now you're fourth and four, and you're having to punt it. So they got predictable sometimes, running on early downs, forcing excuse me, Sam Howell to throw on third and sevens, third and eights. I did not like that. Dallas had three sacks. As we move forward towards the middle of that second quarter. So they got after him a little bit. 
And I, we know that Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator for Dallas, wasn't going to be shy. But I thought Sam handled it really well, understanding and seeing where blitzes are coming from, where he's sliding protections. It, there were a lot of new faces up front. From left tackle to right tackle yesterday, it was Charles Leno. We had Chris Paul, a rookie from Tulsa at left guard. You had Rush Schweitzer at center. Trey Turner at right guard, and there was no Cornelius Lucas at right tackle. It was Sam Cosme, who had his issues many times yesterday with Micah Parsons. Now, every tackle in the league, maybe outside of Trent Williams and San Fran or Lane Johnson in Philadelphia, has had their issues with Micah Parsons this year. But overall, just how the offense was run with Sam and how it kind of differentiated as they move into the second half. You saw four-man backfields. Where Washington had didn't they didn't just have five man protections. They kept a tight end in. They kept a running back in. They had six or seven man protections sometimes. And they were running three, four man concepts on the outside to where they were allowing Sam to make one or two reads and get the ball out of his hands. There wasn't a lot of play action yesterday. There was some mesh, there was some RPO, but it was simplified, especially in that second half, where you saw his confidence really start to blossom. And with that, you saw him pumping throws. You saw the velocity that he can sling. He can rip it. He can really spin that thing. You saw the completion downfield to Jahan Dotson. He hit Terry in stride. Last time we saw Terry hit in stride was his debut in Philly or even week one against Jacksonville. It's not often we see Terry, a low 4-3 runner, get hit in stride down the boundary. It was really nice to see him really elongate that stride and kick into gear and let that ball fall into, fall into his hands. Because usually when Terry's on the outside and he's asked to run a go route, he's usually saying, I got to rise up over the corner and make a play. Or I got to draw a PI with the corner moving into my face. Or I got to move around the corner to catch a ball that's five yards underthrown. Now we got a PI earlier in that game because Sam did underthrow one. But as he got his confidence and as the pocket started to create itself a little bit, he was able to step into some throws and really uncork it downfield. And not just those 40-yard bombs, but 15-yard slants to Jahan Dotson. Comeback routes on the outside. You saw the route running that Jahan has on the outside. Just really good stuff from the core of this offense. And Sam, we heard it earlier in the day yesterday, it was the first time that he was completing passes to McLaurin and Dotson all year long this week. And that's the chemistry that he had with them. Again, not a world beater by any means. 11 for 19, but I thought he was efficient. Outside of the pick, which wasn't great. Again, it wasn't great. It wasn't pretty. Those are the speed bumps you got to get over. And it was week 18. But the small sample size that we saw yesterday from Sam is really exciting. And if Washington does want to go the cheap route, meaning Sam moving into next year will be on the second year, of his rookie contract as a fifth-round pick, so you don't have a lot of money tied into him. You can still get two or three years out of him if you want to stay on that rookie deal as your QB1. Instead of keeping Carson Wentz in town, he's going to be gone, or paying Taylor Heineke, or trying to make a move for a big-name free agent quarterback, or trying to acquire a big name in the trade market, or trying to really reach on a guy in the draft, which I really don't see Washington doing because of how Sam played yesterday, because Dallas was playing for something. Now, Philly dominated that ball game against New York. I know the Giants made a little bit of a comeback late in that ball game, but Saquon was out and Daniel Jones was out and they sat some of their defensive starters. Kind of an ugly game in Philadelphia last night, but Dallas came in playing for something. And you look at Washington's defense outside of the late touchdown to CeeDee Lamb that was really from a conceptual standpoint defensively, 
I hate sitting in those soft zones where you're allowing everything eight yards here, 15 yards here, seven yards here. They just move their way down the field in that second quarter that I, I did not like. Even Bobby McCain, how he defended C.D. Lamb on that touchdown. I get it's zone, but you got you to gotta help man to your left side. Anyway, if he's looking for anybody, it's C.D. Lamb or it's Dalton Schultz. That's what it was yesterday. C.D. Lamb had five catches, 52 yards and a touchdown. Dalton Schultz had four catches. But Schultz and Lamb, Schultz had nine targets. Lamb had seven targets. That was with our offense. Keying in on those two guys. Overall, the defense did a really nice job. Six points? I'll take that every day of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Again, take away that touchdown, and Washington pitches a shutout. No Cam Curl. No Jonathan Allen. No Benjamin St. Juice. No Jamin Davis. We saw Montez Sweat on the sideline a little bit more than we were used to yesterday. Chase Young. You watch him on that first play against Jason Peters. He's become a very advanced run defender. I think we need to ask some questions as far as how he will continue to evolve his pass rush repertoire and his approach on the outside, not trying to win to the outside every single time. It's a lot what he did in his rookie year. So those are some questions there moving into this offseason where he will get back to full health and expect Chase Young to be rear to go in 100% moving into week one of next year. But this defense, tip your cap to the guys that were out there. Jeremy Reeves is flying around. Yeah, David Mayo and Kalik Hudson starting at the second level. John Ridgway in the middle eating up bodies. You saw Benning Potaae, guy that's been on the practice squad, playing some one-tech and three-tech, battling his tail off because it was an opportunity for him. You love to see guys, especially young players like Benning. He's only been in the league one year out of Washington. Guy that gets an opportunity and takes advantage of their snaps. John Ridgeway is a perfect example. Dallas drafted him this year. Was put on waivers. Washington brought him in because obviously the injury to Phil Mathis. Remember, Washington drafted him in the second round out of Alabama. He'll be back next year in week one. But these are guys that got opportunities. John Ridgeway was fantastic within the interior. That interior of Dallas, the Connor McGoverns, Tyler Biadashis, and Zach Martin. John Ridgeway was absolutely fantastic. And that makes you happy because if you have to let Deron Payne walk, if you cannot pay the guy, if you don't want to pay him the amount that he wants this year and he does walk, you drafted Phil Mathis for a reason. John Ridgeway, the rotational depth moving into next year, that third IDL guy that you got in your depth chart and the snaps that he got this year, that's a positive. That's a guy that you can rely on because yesterday was a big time game. He got big time snaps. He went out for a couple snaps in that early portions of the ball game, but he was excellent. Excellent. Kalik Hudson was flying around. Danny Johnson was flying around the outside. Kendall Fuller had a pick six. It was a weird kind of series of plays after Dak Prescott tested him twice on the same concept. Kind of a speed out on the same back-to-back play after he dropped the pick. Then he stays up and takes for a pick six. Tip your cat to Jack Del Rio's unit. A, def- a defense outside, really, of the Niners game, and you could maybe say that second Giants game, that was fantastic. The last two months, really the last 10 weeks of the season, was fantastic. Now, there are some rumors flying around of whether Ron Rivera is going to be back, or they Scott Turner going to be back, move Jack Del Rio into the head coaching spot because of the job that he did with this young defense. We will see. We will see. Let's take a step back and just kind of just take a few breaths, right? But yesterday was exciting and there were positives 
And there will be changes made in the front office this offseason. There will be. There will be new players in the building. There will be players that competed yesterday that will not be on the team. Right? I'm sure you guys out there have all played sports. You remember at the end of the year, kind of listen to your coaches and talk to other players. You know, this team will never be together again. They won't. There will be new faces in the building to compete and reach their performance ceiling next year. What that is, who knows? If it's Ron Rivera leading the charge again next year, well, the floor is a 500 football team. Is that the ceiling? I hope not. But this is three straight years of 500 football. It's really not good enough, but then you see flashes like we saw yesterday, and it makes you see what is the ceiling of this roster. If they make additions on the offensive line, which I expect them to do, they add some young talent in the secondary, at corner specifically, whether it's in the first round or the second round this year, in free agency. We're going to get into all that. But a 26-6 to win a week after you completely crapped the bed against the Cleveland Browns and the positives that you got from Sam Howell under center, you can't help but feel positive moving into the offseason. That's all you could really ask for. So yesterday, you saw, you saw Jahan working on the outside. You saw Sam. I liked what I saw from Chris Paul in the interior. I mentioned the young guys on the outside. Kendall Fuller, I know I've given Kendall Fuller so much crap, but the back half of this season has looked really good. He's potentially earned himself another year in Washington. He's played a lot better. Moving into year three for some of these guys next year, I talked about him on the preview podcast with Cosme and St. Just and Jamin Davis. They're big off seasons for them. Washington's going to add talent at each of those positions. I expect them to bring in young Fresh legs at those spots. Offensive line, linebacker, and corner are the three major holes for this roster right now. I like what they have at running back. I like what they have at receiver. We know what they have at defensive line. Is quarterback still a question? I don't think Sam Howell won the job with this performance yesterday, but it sure as heck provided some clarity, right? Moving into the offseason, there's a lot of good spots on this roster. But over the last few years, we've talked about Washington looks like a team that is, quote, a quarterback away. Is that quarterback Sam Howell? If he gets a full offseason, OTAs, mini camp, training camp, preseason, working with this core of athletes, he may be the guy. I really liked what I saw yesterday. Because, again, Dallas was playing for something. They weren't playing some cookie-cutter defense, cover four, run, and prevent. They were challenging on the outside. They were playing press, man. They were sending pressure. Not everything was pretty, but 26-6 to at home, where Jared Patterson ran for 78 yards, Jonathan Williams ran for 32. He ran it over nearly 40 times combined yesterday. That's January football in the NFC East. And then when you ask Sam to stretch the ball down the field in that second half, not only did he have time to deliver it, But when there were guys around his feet maneuvering the pocket, getting his feet set, and letting that thing rip, velocity. You can see sometimes some of these tight ends, Logan Thomas, Jahan Dotson dropped the ball, Terry McLaurin dropped the pass. They're not really used to that velocity on the football. Sam's ripping that thing, spinning it with that tight spiral across the field, sideline to sideline yesterday, at different depths, against different coverages, against different pressures that Dan Quinn sent. And the biggest thing 
is positives. And I was just really, really happy to see that to wrap up what was an underperforming year for the Washington Commanders that finished the season at 8-8-1. Eight, eight and one. So that's going to do it for today's podcast. I will have a podcast out for you guys in a week next Monday. So also kind of giving you a preview for the next few weeks and months as we head into the offseason, mainly focusing on the draft and this roster and the offseason. I will be down in Mobile in a couple weeks at the Senior Bowl, and we got the Shrine Bowl and then the Combine. I will give you guys, as I mentioned on Thursday, full, in-depth, kind of diving into each of those events, players I like, players I didn't like. We're going to get into everything. But the offseason, unless there are weeks that I feel that are, there are news, that we need to talk about some certain things, roster additions, roster subtractions, front office changes, we're going to see what happens with the ownership group, with Dan Snyder. Is it in his hands moving into the spring? We will see. But most likely in the offseason, there'll be one podcast a week recapping events, players, etc., etc., etc. Anything under the Washington Commanders umbrella, I will cover here for you on Commanding the Huddle. But I greatly appreciate all your listens this year, your engagement, the community that we've built. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. If you don't follow me on Twitter already, I'm at underscore Ryan Fowler. Again, I will have a podcast out for you next Monday, recapping the 2022 rookie class for Washington. So we're going to dive into the Jahan Dotsons, the Cole Turners, Sam Howell, Chris Paul, Christian Holmes, Percy Butler. The names go on and on and on. We're not going to have too much to talk about with Phil Mathis, but all the names, Brian Robinson Jr., all the names from this rookie class, some of the UDFAs, right, guys that are on the practice squad that got some time this year, the Armani Rogers of the world, right? We're going to dive in to every single guy and their production this year and, and kind of the outlook moving in to their sophomore seasons in 2023. So that is going to be next Monday's podcast for you guys. So again, appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy the national championship tonight. TCU against Georgia out in LA at SoFi Stadium. Kickoff is at 7.30. Enjoy that. I will talk to you guys on Monday. I am Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.